Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining me here on the Fridays with Francis podcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to be with me. Just a reminder, these podcasts are the audio versions of the video live streams that I do every week on Fridays at 8.15 Eastern on my Facebook page, Monk Musings, or my Instagram profile, Francis OSB. If you'd like, head on over to those platforms and you can see the video live stream either while I'm doing it or it also gets saved so you can watch it anytime you'd like. In the meantime, thanks for joining me on this podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe and thanks for joining me. Here's the latest episode of Fridays with Francis. Hello, Instagram. Hello, Facebook. Okay, excellent. Everyone's here. Or not everyone, but people are getting here. Good evening. We'll get started in just a second. There we go. Hello, everybody. Thanks for being here tonight on this chilly, chilly night. We'll get going in just a second here. Just going to take an inventory in my head, make sure it matches what I have written down, and give people a few more seconds to get logged in. Okay, let's begin as we begin each week in prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us this evening to come into our hearts as we try to discern what your will is for us, that we may know your intentions for our lives, that we may know what you want us to do and what you wish for us which is to be with you and to be your child, your son, or your daughter. Come into our hearts this evening. Be with us this day. Help us to understand you and to see you as you appear to us. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fridays with Francis. I am again so grateful that you are here with me uh, today. Thank you for all of your well wishes and prayers. Um, my oral surgery last week was very successful. I am on the mend. Um, I'm still having trouble getting my voice back, um, and that's because my tongue has more, more room to move around. Uh, and so if I sound weird, that's, that's probably why. Um, but 
uh, we're, I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm doing all right. So thank you for your messages and prayers, and thank you for uh, bearing with me as we weren't uh, we weren't together last week, but here we are again tonight. <clears throat> I must admit that uh, oh, and a special hello to anybody watching, any of my my Saint Anselm students who are isolated or in quarantine right now as you move back to campus. Uh, good evening. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining us. Can't wait to see you uh, when your test results come back negative. I must admit, tonight's uh, topic struck me rather late in the week. Usually I have an idea of what I'm going to talk about Tuesday or Wednesday. And um, tonight's topic sort of uh, came to me in a dream last night and well not so much a dream but it was something that was running through my head as I couldn't sleep last night um, and so I figured that the best way uh, to make sure it stops going through my head is to say it out loud uh, and and it's an appropriate topic um, but it is a little difficult um, but I think I think we'll do I think we'll be okay uh, so bear with me this may seem a little unorganized uh, but I think I think this will be uh, this will be good and will be uh, it will be good uh, for us uh, this evening. So, what I want to talk to you about tonight, and as I alluded to in the title, is the Bible. You may be saying to yourself, Francis, you talk about the Bible every week. We get on here. It's you know, it's check the book. That's your thing. What what are you talking about? Yes, you're right. Um, but I, I need to sort of take the Bible and I need to zoom out. And what I want to try to do tonight is to zoom out on the Bible, give you a context, and then zoom in on something that I think is very important and something that we don't think about very often because we're so used to doing things a certain way. And you'll see what I mean in a second. Um, there's a great story uh, by... Uh, an evangelist. He's a convert to the faith. His name is Michael Cumby. He's appeared on EWTN a number of times. He was a Baptist. He was raised, born and raised Baptist in Mississippi. Uh, he was a Baptist minister, and uh, at, I think at the, about the age of 40 or 45, uh, he and his wife and children all converted uh, to Catholicism. And he always told a story uh, when growing up in his little town in Mississippi uh, that uh, there were three churches on Main Street in his little town. Uh, there was a Catholic church, there was a Baptist church, and there was a just a non-denominational Christian church. So, uh, in the story he tells is, on Sunday, they would go to the Baptist church, and his family would walk down the street, and his father would point, point out a certain group of people, and he would say to Michael, Michael, see those people over there? Yeah, Dad, those are the Catholics. And he said, oh, how do you know that, Dad? He said, they're not carrying their Bible with them. They don't have their Bible with them. And the joke, or the funny part of this story, is that Michael then says, it took me 45 years to realize that you all have the Bible inside with you, referring to those little missalettes, those little booklets that a lot of Catholic church have, churches have where you look at, you know, the reading of the day is there for you. 
And it's that story that sort of has inspired this talk tonight. Um, I hate those little missilettes. I don't like them. And I have a good reason. That's what I'm going to try to explain tonight. And hopefully there will be, you'll, this will, I hope will enrich the way you study your uh, scripture. Hopefully this will enrich the way you read scripture. Hopefully this will un, uh, change the way you understand scripture and worship with it. That's my hope. Uh, if at the end you just find yourself disagreeing with me, that's fine too. So, one of the biggest, so here we go, let's, let's try this. One of the biggest challenges, I believe, to evangelization today, one of the biggest challenges to someone who is um, finding and developing a relationship with Christ, with Jesus today, is, is this true? Is this true? And if it is true, is it all true? You didn't have this problem a hundred years ago. It was a hundred years ago, it was oh, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. It's true. We don't have that luxury today. And so the reason I want to talk to you tonight about this is because this, I believe, the Bible, is the best tool that we have for evangelization, for spreading the gospel, for showing people that a relationship with God is possible, it's personal, and it's essential. Possible, personal, and essential. If I had thought about this earlier, I would have a third P, but I don't. But it's also the most misunderstood because I firmly believe it's not used to its, to, to its fullest ability. Many people, and I've heard many people, refer to the Bible as a user manual for the Christian life. And it is. It's got a lot, there's a lot in here. There's a lot that it can teach you. You can learn from it. There's instructions, there's commands, there's lessons, all kinds of things. It's a great user's manual. But that's where the problem begins. Think of it this, and that's why this topic tonight is a little strange. If someone came to you tomorrow and said, hey, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure, but... Uh, I'm really thinking this this uh, Christianity thing, this maybe this Catholic thing. Um, I'm really thinking that this is uh, this is for me, and I'm I'm thinking I'm 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 gonna do it. I think I think it's a I think it's a good idea. The worst thing that you could do for that person is say, "Well, here's a Bible. Read it. Knock yourself out. Let me know if you have any questions." Not a good idea. And that's because the novel, the, the, the concept of reading the Bible is a novelty. 
And by novelty, I mean we've only been doing it for about 300 years. The root of our understanding of the Bible was not that we read it, not that our ancestors read the scriptures. They didn't. They heard it. And, and that brings me to my first point. The, the scriptures, both the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures, have always been read in community, have always been heard, read, and understood in a community. The biggest one being the church, the capital C church. That's why frequently on Fridays with Francis, I say you need the Bible and you need our tradition. That these two things go together. You need to have both. You can't read this and ignore the 2,000 years of tradition. You can't only have the 2,000 years of tradition and not use the Bible. You need both. The Bible has always, the scriptures have always been understood in a community, in the biggest one being the church, the capital C church. But to, to drill down here a little bit, the scriptures were understood in a community, meaning a gathering on a Sunday, where they where the, the people gathered would listen to someone read the scriptures, and then they would break bread and receive the Eucharist. Catholics have been doing that since the Acts of the Apostles. 2,000 years. Largely uninterrupted. We've always heard the word. My One of my favorite stories about St. Augustine uh, is, and the, the, the hearing of words instead of the reading it silently is, is a classical tradition. People didn't read silently. People haven't always read silently. They read out loud. My, one of my favorite stories about St. Augustine is that St. Augustine will tell, has told us that one of the things that he most admired about St. Ambrose was that St. Ambrose was the first person he saw reading without moving his lips. That when you read, even if you didn't read out loud, you would still move your lips with the words. That was a, that was a classical tradition. So the scriptures have not always been read, they've been heard. That is why at Mass, at, at, in worship today, we start with hearing the Word. Now, why was this the case? Well, there's, uh, there's two reasons for it. There's a practical and there's a theological reason. The, first of all, the practical reason. Not everybody could read. Not everybody could read. The second reason is Jesus, the person of Christ, is the Word. He is God's Word. And we hear words. 
think about your own human development. You heard words before you read them. So hearing them is a little more pure. Hearing them takes you back to sort of your base level instincts. You know, human beings were not created knowing how to read a written language. They were created being able to hear. So my best example of this is St. Paul. Uh, and we're going to, we'll come back to St. Paul uh, at the end, but we'll start here. Um, St. Paul wrote letters. He didn't write theological treatises, although some of his letters may seem like that. But St. Paul wrote letters. So for example, in his letter to the Philippians, the first two verses of his letter to the Philippians say this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, think about it. You're a person, you're a Christian in Philippi. It's not easy. You're being persecuted uh, because Christianity is illegal at this point. But you're going to go to a, uh, a house on a Sunday and you're going to worship with your local church, your local community. And the bishop is going to be there, the, meaning the head Christian. Um, he probably knows how to read because my guess is St. Paul wrote this letter and he didn't write on the outside write to the Philippians. He probably wrote to Bishop so-and-so. Because Bishop so-and-so knew how to read. So Bishop so-and-so, I wish I knew who the Bishop of Philippi was at the time, but I don't, gets this letter and he reads it. And he says, oh, it's addressed to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. So Bishop so-and-so says, oh, I should read this on Sunday when we're all together. And that's what he did. That's what he did. So we have always heard the word before we read it. And we've always heard it in a group. We've always heard it in a group. Now that presents a problem. Because when you're in a group you start comparing yourself to other people. Oh, look at him. Look at her. I have this. They don't have that. They have that. I don't have that. You make comparisons. Maybe not as explicit as I just made it, but in your mind, you make comparisons. And jealousy may, jealousy, all those bad things, may spring up. The classic example of this is Martin Luther. The Lutheran approach to the Bible is that this is all you need. And if you read this Bible, you can figure out what it means all on your own. And whatever you figure out, it's true. Not so much. And that's because... This, this Lutheran doctrine developed because 
Martin Luther, when he was a young Augustinian monk, traveled to Rome. And at that time, Rome was a cesspool. Uh, the church was in a bad, bad place at that point. Uh, you know, bishops and priests were not faithful to their vows, uh, their vows, their promises. Uh, there was thievery, there was usury, there was simony, there was all kinds of stuff. If it, if it was, if it was a sin, it was happening in the church at the time. So Martin Luther comes, leaves Rome and says, there's no way the Holy Spirit is there. There's no way. So he decides at that point, I have the Bible and I have this tradition, but this tradition is corrupted because there's all kinds of sin going on. So we're going to get rid of the tradition. The analogy that I use, and it's a little reductionist, uh, and to any historian out there, I apologize for this, but um, so what does Martin Luther do is he starts his own church. He says the Holy Spirit's not there. Can't be. He starts his own church. The analogy I use is uh, you have a house. You live in your house. Uh, <clears throat> maybe you have a party. Maybe you are, you know, going about doing your, doing what you need to do. You're living, you're working, you're playing, you're all this thing. And you look around your house and you notice that your house is dirty. So instead of cleaning it, you move out. You leave. I don't need that house anymore. And you move into a new house. That's a bit what Martin Luther did. I'm rambling here, I realize. But I do have a point. And here it is. We've always read the Bible in a community, in the church. And every time, and this is not just unique to Luther, but every time in the history of the Catholic Church where someone has said, the Holy Spirit's not there anymore, there's been division. And that is why today there are over a thousand Protestant denominations just in America. Right, so they someone broke away from the Catholic Church, then they get together and there's a disagreement. Well, Holy Spirit, so I'm going to start my own church, and on and on and on and on and on. But think about what I started with tonight. Is this true? And if it is true, is all of it true? Because there's a passage in here that says, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Meaning, the Holy Spirit will always be in my church. But the church is made up of human beings. So sometimes it's going to look like the Holy Spirit's not there. Something to think about. Something to think about. So, Going back to listening. Fast forward now to today when you find yourself at Mass. We start Mass with the Word of God. Now, what is your default posture when you get to church? You open up one of those little missalettes 
when you go, oh, today is February, you know, January 31st. And while the person is reading, you're following along. Perfectly acceptable. Except here's the problem. And I, I've said this throughout. Hearing it, those words may hit you differently. I think, and the reason I hate these those little missalettes in churches is because I think it's allowed our lectors, I'm talking to you lectors, to be lazy. I've found a lot, in a lot of places that I've been to, there are three types of people who read at Mass. The typewriter, the telegraph, and a, an actual lector. The typewriter is, they read very slowly, but it's very staccato. And we're going to read the gospel right now. The word of the Lord. The telegraph is the word of the Lord. Did he did he did he read something? What what happened? And then you have an actual lector. If you read at Mass, do yourself a favor, especially if you read the second reading on Sundays, because it's from St. Paul. St. Paul is tough. St. Paul wouldn't know a punctuation mark if it walked up to him and hit him in the face. St. Paul, again, it he didn't write in English. He wrote in Greek, or maybe Latin, but probably Greek. Uh, no punctuate. There's no punctuation in that. So you remember, you're reading a translation. But also remember, think back to that church in Philippi. You're reading a letter. He has taken the time to write a letter to a group of people. So, for example, I'm going to keep reading Paul's letter to the Philippians. I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It's at that point they decided to put a period. But that's a nonsensical sentence. It needs to be read in a proper way. I'm going to try to do it. I don't know how successful I'm going to be. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Not perfect, but there's a rhythm to it. If you understand, not just if you're reading at Mass, but even if you're reading this on your own, read it like a letter. It, the punctuation marks are not divinely inspired. You can ignore them, you can add new ones. But St. Paul is to be read as a letter. The same goes for the Old Testament. Nobody, nobody except the rabbis of their day were opening the, the scrolls of the Old Testament to read personally. 
No, they went to synagogue and they heard it read to them. Same thing. So, if you read at Mass, prepare. And if you're reading St. Paul, read it like a letter. You're not transcribing words. You're reading to them. And if you're sitting there, don't have your nose in a book. Let the words wash over you. My practice is I like to read them before I get there. I read them before I get there. Or if I get there early, I read there early. But when it's being read to me, when it's being read to me, I listen to it. I, don't, I try not to follow along. Now the tricky thing is, is you have to have a lector that you understand. That's the tricky part. So if there's anybody out there who's in charge of lectors, have them watch this. Have them talk to me. We need to do a little bit better job. Now, does it need to be a dramatic performance? No, no. It's not a dramatic reading. But put some humanity into it. It was a human being who wrote this. He had a specific thing in mind. It was 2,000 years ago. We can't exactly ask him what that was. But especially with St. Paul, we say it's, it's a letter, and, it was, and it, the purpose of the letter was that it was going to be read to a group of people. So we shouldn't read it like a textbook. And just remember, punctuation marks are not divinely inspired. Now, what about your personal reading? I would say do the same thing. Read it out loud to yourself. Hearing the word is going to hit you differently than reading it. It's just a, a practice, an exercise that you can think about. Now, where, now where does the community come in? Well, it's COVID time, so this is a little difficult. This is why, in Catholic churches anyway, we have a homily. And I'll be the first to tell you that the people who are in charge of giving homilies, we can always be better. We can always be better. But in your own personal study, I would say, and I've been saying this from the beginning, Get yourself a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Everything that's in the Bible is in here. And what it, what it has done is, especially if you're reading the Gospels, they've organized the life of Christ, and then they take a point in the life of Christ, and they put together what everyone through the centuries has said about this event. You've got Augustine, Aquinas. Uh, all sorts of church documents, popes, all the patristic fathers, they're all in here. If you want to go even deeper, you know, there are all sorts of uh, biblical commentaries uh, online. You can order books, check out your local library. They're, they're there. Uh, the, you might have to rub some dust off of them, but they're there. Uh, it, here it's at St. Anselm, 
St. Benedict has told his monks that a vital portion of their day is their two activities. Number one, the praying of the divine office as a community, the recitation of the word of God as a community. So my community, we get together five, four or five times a day, depending on the day, and we recite the Psalms, what we call antiphonally. So we divide into two groups. One group takes one verse, the other group takes the other verse. And when you're not singing or speaking a particular set of verses, you're meant to be listening to them. Very important. Then the second part of the day is Lexio Divina, is a personal study of sacred scripture, of holy, what they call holy reading. Here at St. Anselm, the practice is, it's a very frequent question is, what are you doing for Lexio now? Uh, for me, I'm still looking at the, I started doing the Gospel of Luke during Advent, and I was going to try to do all 24 chapters of Luke in the 24 days of you know, December 1st to December 24th, but I, I was really slow, so I haven't really quite gotten through all of it. But we would never tell a, a young person, oh, so we, we ask, you know, what are you doing for Lexio? Oh, I'm doing the Gospel of Luke. The next question is, what are you using for a commentary? We would never tell a young man who has entered the community, here's your Bible. Go ahead. We always say, here's your Bible. What are you reading? Oh, I think I'm going to read this. Oh, well, here's a commentary that goes with it. So I have a beautiful commentary that I've been using. It's from the, it's called the, from the Sacra Pagina series, which is put out by the liturgical press uh, about, uh, they keep revising it, but it first came out about 20 years ago. And they try to do every, they have a, a commentary set for every book of the Bible. So we read and we hear the word of God in a community. We're not meant to do it by ourselves. That was my overall point for tonight. I hope I communicated that, communicated that in my ramblings. Uh, so thank you for listening to me this week. I really appreciate it. If you have questions about what I've said, I'd be happy to answer them. Um, maybe not right now, but if you want to send me a message, I'd be happy to talk to you. I'd be happy to answer, uh, point you in the direction of a commentary or a resource that you might be able to use. Uh, again, for me, the big one, the big, big, big one is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, this is usually always by my side when I'm doing my Lexio Divina. I also found a good, this Bible, not sponsored, I promise, although if they want to, I'd be happy to plug their product. This is called the Great Adventure Bible. And the reason I like it is because it's full of footnotes. And at the beginning of every book, there's an introduction to what I'm about to read. So I can always go back there and get context and get insights uh, and, and everything like that. Uh, they also, I love a Bible that has maps in it because you can sort of see where everything is. So that's tonight's episode in my rambling, rambling way. Uh, it's, been, it's been two weeks, so I had a lot to say. So thank you for being here with me tonight. Uh, I'm so grateful to all of you who join me each and every week and those of you who watch later.
Hi, Mom and Dad. Uh, so thank you for joining me. We, we will be back next week, uh, same time, same place. Uh, please pray for me and know that I am praying for you. And until that time, know that <clears throat> heaven is holding conversations about you. Angels have been assigned to you. Be at peace. Good night, everybody.